my name is Chris, and um, I have the honor and the privilege to teach tonight. Uh, tonight we'll be in 1 John chapter 1. So that's near the end of your Bibles. That's after 1 Peter. Uh, it looks like 1 John, not to be confused with the book of John, the Gospel of John. So we're going to be in chapter 1 tonight. I'll give everybody a second to turn there. All right, 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. In these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Uh, let's pray. Father God, I, I thank you. I thank you for today. I thank you for bringing all of us here uh, to sit down, to listen to your word, and have it speak to us tonight, Lord. Uh, I pray for our hearts. I pray for my heart. I pray for everyone who will be listening to this message, whether it is today, tomorrow, or sometime down the road, Lord. I, I pray that uh, your word just changes our hearts, Lord, and um, we, 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 we leave here different, Lord, changed, um, you know, with a deeper knowledge and understanding of you. Uh, and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. First John chapter one. Um, so let me just get to my notes. So, 1 John chapter 1, uh, this is an epistle. An epistle is a letter, um, and this was written by the Apostle John. So, the Apostle John is the one who wrote the Gospel of John. Um, he also wrote the Book of Revelation. He also wrote the second and third epistles of John. So, Second John and Third John, if you keep flipping pages in your Bible, you'll see those um, those books right after this book. Uh, this was written about 40 to 50 years after Christ's death and resurrection. 
Um, so about the 80s and 90s AD. Um, so this is, and John was, John was an old man when he wrote this. Uh, he, he was the last surviving um, disciple of Jesus, of, of the 12. Um, and his life, right, his life was preserved by God. Um, he was, you know, all the other disciples were martyred. You know, they suffered uh, painful deaths um, for Christ. And John was the one who was preserved and kept alive by God, right? There was a, a time where John was thrown into a pot of boiling oil. Um, you know, boiling oil. This is where you throw your, your shrimp, your fried chicken, or your chicken to fry it, your french fries, right? He was thrown into a pot of boiling oil and did not suffer any injury from it. Um, and he was later exiled to the island of Patmos, right? So John, um, you know, this is, whatever we can get from him is, is, is valuable because of the, type, the life that he lived, right? The life that God called him um, to. So, you know, I'm very excited. This is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Um, and so, yeah, let's get started. Oh, actually, another thing I wanted to mention was that this book was written um, kind of as a response to a false teaching in the church. Uh, there was a church, there was a teaching of, of Gnosticism, and it basically, the, it, it basically claimed that Jesus wasn't a real human being, right? He wasn't, he wasn't fully human, and we'll talk more about why that's important and why Jesus must be fully human um, for us to have salvation and for us to have forgiveness of sins. Um, so John is writing as an eyewitness, right? He was someone who was there. He was there. Um, and he, he'll explain that in verse 1. So let's get into it. Uh, so back to verse 1. Let me just open it up on my phone so I can go back and forth. Okay, so verse one, in, in, oh my bad, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. So that, that which was from the beginning, that is referring to Jesus. Um, and it's, is who John says at the end of the verse is the word of life, right? So that which was from the beginning, and he, at the end of the verse he says, concerning the word of life, right? And this, this is referring to Jesus. Um, so that which was from the beginning. Um, you know, the beginning should sound familiar to you. Genesis 1-1 starts in the beginning. Um, and then the book of John starts in the beginning. Uh, John 1 1 and now here we have first John chapter 1 verse 1 That which was from the beginning right the beginning is very important to John and This beginning is not the beginning of this world or the beginning of creation It is the beginning there was before there was anything right an eternity passed John is is emphasizing the the eternality of Jesus of Christ Right, meaning that he, he, he didn't have a beginning, he doesn't have an end. He, he's, not, he's not a created thing, right? Jesus was not created. Um, that, you know, he's actually divine. He, he is God, right? This is, this is what we believe. 
Um, so he goes on, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled. Uh, so right here, John is addressing that false teaching, that heresy of Gnosticism, right? And he's, he's setting the record straight, right? He's saying, no, Jesus was not a ghost. He was not a spirit. He was not a phantom. He was a real human being. Right? And as an eyewitness, he's saying, right, which we have heard. Um, you know, he's, he's saying, right, like, I was there. I, I saw him. Right? I, I heard the authority. I heard the love and the grace and the truth of his voice and in his speech. Right? I not only saw him with my eyes, I looked upon him. Right? I, I gazed at him in amazement and in awe. Right? He's saying, I was there. I handled his human body. I touched him. Right, full of flesh and blood and bone. Right, I was there. I, I, I swatted a bug off of his shoulder. Right, when I fell down, he helped me up. He was a real person. I was there. I knew him. Right, and John, John is speaking in this space as you guys weren't there. You guys have, you know, you're, you're, you're saying these things about Jesus, but you weren't there. I was there. You know, he's writing this as an old man. Um, you know, it's kind of like someone, someone trying to tell you about a loved one that you spent a lot of time with that has passed away. And they're making up these stories about this loved one, but, you know, you're setting the record straight, like, no, that, that, that wasn't true. Like, I was there. This is, you know, so John, this is, this is the kind of place that John is coming from when he says this, right? That, that which we heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. And if you look in your Bible, the W should be uppercase W, the word, right? Referring to Jesus. Um, you know, whenever you see God, whenever you see Jesus, whenever God is referred to in a, in a pronoun, um, the, the first letter of that pronoun is, is uppercase, right? And this is, this is letting us know that he is, he is divine. Um, and this is referring to God. Uh, verse 2. Oh, actually, before we go to verse 2, right, back to this idea that Jesus was a man. Um, you know, John, John chapter 1, verse 14 says, and the word became flesh, right? The word became flesh. Jesus became flesh. He was flesh. He, again, he wasn't a spirit. He wasn't a phantom. He was a real human being. Excuse me. And it, it is important that Jesus was a man, and I'll, I'll give you a couple of reasons. Um, Galatians 4, chapter 4, verses 4 and 5 says, But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born, of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. So only a man can be born under the law. Right? No animal or angelic being is under the law. So only humans are born under the law, and only a human could redeem other human beings who are under the law. Right? So that's one reason why it's important that Jesus was a man. Um, another reason is that you know, for, for there to be remissions of sins, blood needed to be shed. Right? Blood needed to be shed. In the Old Testament, um, you know, they, they, they sacrificed bulls, rams, 
uh, goats, if I'm not mistaken, um, you know, they, they sacrificed these animals and, you know, that, that, was a, that was a foreshadow. That was looking toward the, the, the Lamb of God, right, who, was, who, who would take away the sin of the world, um, of, of his blood being shed. So the sacrifice of animals temporarily covered sin, but the shedding of Jesus' blood covered, covered our sins, right, once and for all. Um, so that's another reason why it's important he is a man, right? An animal's blood cannot cover man's sins. And lastly, um, lastly, as a man, Jesus was able to relate to us in a way that no other animal or angel could, right? He was, he was tempted at all points. Um, and he, he can understand, he can empathize with us when we're going through our own temptations, right? So it's another reason why. Um, so don't let anyone tell you that Jesus was not real. Jesus was not a man. Um, he was. And John is telling us, John is telling us that now. And then at the end of verse 1, it says, concerning the word of life. Um, so John is calling Jesus the word, right? He's equating Jesus with God when he, when he does this. Uh, he refers to Jesus as the word in his gospel, uh, John 1, 1, um, we we should all know the verse, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, God is perfectly revealed in His Word, so it is only fitting that Jesus is the Word of God. He is the revealing of God. Uh, verse 2, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and manifested to us. So the life was manifested. If you think about the word manifested, it was made visible. It was made physically real, right? John 1.14, again, the word became flesh. Um, Jesus, oh, my bad, not Jesus. John is testifying, again, in the role of an eyewitness, um, saying, verse 2, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare, right? So John, again, he's, he's saying, I was there. You were, I was there. I spent, I spent time, I spent three and a half years with the physical man, Jesus. So again, as an eyewitness. Um, and then he says, right, and again, this is not a fairy tale. He's not saying once upon a time. He's declaring these things to you. So back to verse two, the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. So John is calling Jesus eternal, right? Not only is Jesus the word of life, he added eternal to this title. Again, so John is establishing who Jesus is. Um, and actually, like in, in his gospel, in the other, so there's four gospels. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are about what Jesus did, like what, what he taught and what he did. The Gospel of John is about who Jesus is, right? So, and you'll notice that if you read, if you read the four Gospels, the Gospel of John is, is just different. Um, and that's because it's, John is establishing who Jesus is, um, as opposed to what he did and what he, and what he said in the other three Gospels. So, and he says, the eternal life which was with the Father, 
So this is important. It refers to the eternal relationship between the Father and the Son, right? There was an eternal relationship of love and fellowship between the Father and the Son. Uh, Jesus, Jesus himself referred to this in John 17, verse 24, where he's praying to the Father. He says, for you loved me before the foundation of the world, right? Um, and then it says, was manifested to us. That life, Jesus, was made real to us. Uh, verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So John is continuing his role here as eyewitness. Um, he's declaring that this eternally existent and physically real Jesus, who is God and is distinct from the Father, so that you and me can have fellowship with them. Uh, the word fellowship here is the word koinonia um, in the Greek. And it means, it means in common, it means like sharing, right? It speaks of this living, breathing, loving relationship with another person. Um, and you know, that's, that's, what we, that's what we should share, that's what we ought to share with each other as Christians. Um, we, sh we should have fellowship, we should have things in common, right? We should have a loving, living, breathing relationship with another person. So those who have fellowship with, with another are those who share the same resources and are bound by the same responsibilities. The idea becomes almost overwhelming when it is applied to the relationship which believers bear to the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. The Father, his Son, Jesus, and all believers have all things in common. All the resources of each in the wondrous relationship are at the disposal of the others. Such is the grace of our God and his son. Um, so again, in the last part of this verse, um, it, it's a, you know, it centers around the idea of fellowship with Jesus. It says, and truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, so this kind of fellowship or relationship with Jesus is only possible because Jesus is who John describes him to be in verses one, one and two, right? So if, if someone invites you to have a personal relationship, right, meaning that he's eternal, right? So if someone invites you to have a personal relationship with Alexander the Great or Abraham Lincoln or even Moses or even Paul, you know, you would think of them as foolish. Um, one cannot have a genuine spiritual relationship with someone who's dead. But with the eternal God who became man, we can have a relationship. Um, and this relationship and closeness is made possible by the Holy Spirit. Uh, verse 4. In these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Amen. I want to read that again. In these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Anyone have fullness of joy? Uh, when, when Jesus wrote about, the, when I keep saying Jesus, when John wrote about these things, he wrote about this relationship of fellowship and love that we can share 
We can share them with God the Father and his son Jesus Christ. Psalm 1611 says, in your presence is fullness of joy. A, re a result of this fellowship with Jesus is joy. Joy, right? Joy and this idea of joy, it's, it's not quite happiness. Joy is an abiding sense of optimism and cheerfulness based on God, as opposed to happiness, which is a sense of optimism and cheerfulness based on circumstances. Um, joy should be constant, right? As constant as God is, and happiness is fleeting and temporary. So John wants our joy to be full, right? Based on, based on God's character. Uh, let's go to verse 5. It says, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Amen. So this is the message. This is, this is it, right? This is what God wants us to know about himself. God is light. He is pure. He is holy. He is the ultimate personification, excuse me, of perfection. God being light means that there is an absence of darkness in him, right? So we read this verse again. God is light and in him is no darkness at all, not even a little bit, not even a slither, right? Think of the smallest number you can think of. That's, there's, that amount of darkness is not in God. There's no darkness in him at all. Um, and that's important, right? If, verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. One thing I really appreciate about John, and if, if you read his, his, other, his other books and, and letters, he's, his vocabulary is very simple, straightforward. You know, you can read this verse, and it's, it's straightforward, right? If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. It's so simple, yet it's, it's so profound. Um, so remember, fellowship... Fellowship means having things shared or things in common. Um, so if we say we have fellowship with him, with God, and walk in darkness, we are liars. Why? Because verse 5, God is light. He is light. Um, 2 Corinthians 6.14, the end of it says, And what communion has light with darkness? Uh, since God is light, and if we are walking with them, his light will reveal the things in our lives that need to change. Um, if you want to make sure that you are not a liar and you are not walking in darkness, the question you should ask yourself is, what is darkness? What exactly is darkness? To put it simply, darkness is sin. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about darkness and the ways that you can walk in darkness while trying to fellowship with God. Um, and, you know, thinking about darkness, thinking about sin, you know, we have the, we have the big, bad, obvious sins, right? And we, we look at those people who commit the big, bad, obvious sins, 
and we say, you know, oh, man, look at that person. Man, I would never do that, you know? At, at, least, at least I don't do that stuff, right? Right, so of course, the obvious sin, the obvious darkness, pornography, drunkenness, drug use, murder, stealing, right, those, those, are, those are the obvious ones. Um, but, you know, there, there are some ones that, that are not, not so obvious or can, can go undetected if, if we're not constantly in the word, if we're not constantly, if you're not constantly checking your heart. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll briefly touch on the other ways that you can walk in darkness and it's deteriorating your fellowship with God. First uh, John, First John 2, 9, in the next chapter, it says, he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. Hatred. If you have hatred in your heart for anyone, if you have hatred in your heart for anyone, for anyone, you are walking in darkness. They, um, so now I'm going to go to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, starting at uh, verse 17. There's a couple of things in here uh, about darkness that I want to uh, just want to go over. So it says, so Ephesians 4, 17. I'll just go there too, even though I have it in my notes. Ephesians is back to the left. It's between Galatians and Philippians, I believe. Verse 17, so chapter 4, verse 17, it says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Just a quick sidebar. You are renewed in the spirit of your mind by the word, by filling your mind with scripture. You want to get all the junk out of your mind? Fill it with scripture daily, daily. You have to, and you have to fight for your time in the word. So it says, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in, to, in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Lying. If you are lying, if you are omitting things for fear of the consequences, if you tell the truth, you are walking in darkness. And if you say that you have fellowship with God while you are lying, you are a liar. How many of us has ever lied before? If you didn't raise your hand, you just lied. <laughs> gotcha. Now I'm just. <clears throat> so, 
So again, so next it says, be angry and, and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. This verse is used a lot um, when referring to like spouses, you know, don't, don't go to sleep angry, don't go to sleep without resolving your issues. But this is, this is for everyone, right? This isn't just for, for married couples, even, even though it is, it is great if you, you know, if you practice that in your marriage. Um, but be angry and, and sin not. You know, if, if you're letting anger take over you, you know, you, you may be walking in darkness. You, you need to be careful. Um, you know, there, there is a righteous anger, but uh, very, it's very seldom that we find it, you know? So I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on yourself that you can be angry or have a righteous anger. I, I, I would leave that to God. Me, that's my personal opinion. Um, so it says, let him who stole steal no longer. If you are stealing, you are walking in darkness. Um, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. That's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's for me right there, you know? Um, if you are talking about people when they're not in the room and you're not saying it to their face, you know, if you're backbiting, if you're gossiping, if you're, you're saying all the bad things about, some, about someone else or, or what, what you think, how, you know, you're walking in darkness, you know, you, you, need, to, you, you need to ask for forgiveness. We'll talk about more, more about that in verse 9. So it says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Amen. So it says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. I just want to touch on bitterness. Bitterness is unforgiveness that's, that's just rotted over, right? It's just, it's nasty. Um, oh, and then the last thing, you know, bitter, so bitterness and, and unforgiveness, right? They're very similar. Um, so the last, it says, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. Unforgiveness, if you are, if you have not forgiven if, you, if you've not forgiven anybody, you're walking in darkness. Um, you, you, you know, Christ, even as God in Christ forgave you, he forgave you. You, do, you have no right to let unforgiveness be in your heart. You don't have the right. You know, it might feel like you have the right, but you don't. I don't. Right? We don't. Uh, <clears throat> verse 7. So back to uh, 1 John. So I'll read verse 6 again. It says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 
So if we, if we walk in the light, excuse me, if we walk in the light or if we live our lives following God's word in obedience, which is not to be confused with perfection or sinless perfection, two things happen. It, um, the, two things happen. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So that, there's an important word, walk. Um, the Christian life is described as, as walking. Walking implies action. It implies continuity. It implies progress. Since God is active and walking, if you have fellowship with him, you will also be active and walking. <clears throat> it says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, since God is light, which we see seen in verse 5, saw in verse 5, when we walk in the light, we walk where he is. And naturally, together, and we are naturally together with him in fellowship. So I read it again, it says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So again, two things happen. We have fellowship with one another, right? Christians have fellowship with one another because they are both walking in the light. Two Christians who are in right relationship with God will also naturally be in right relationship with each other. The second thing that will happen is the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, will cleanse you from all sin. As we walk in the light, we also enjoy the continual cleansing of Jesus. This is another indication that John doesn't mean sinless perfection. By the phrase, walk in the light, um, otherwise there would be no sin to cleanse in this ongoing, in this ongoing sense, right? We need, a con we, need, we need continual cleansing because the Bible says we continually sin and fall short of the glory of God. Even though Christians have been cleansed, in an important general sense, our feet need cleaning, right? And this was demonstrated in John 13 by Jesus. Verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Sin in this verse, um, sin in this verse can be seen as the sinful nature, right? So or if we say that we are not sinners, right? So we can read it that way, right? If, if we say that we have no sinful nature or we're, or we're not sinners, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not with us. To say that you have no sin puts you in a dangerous place because God's grace and mercy is extended to sinners, not to those who make mistakes, or to the one who says, I'm only human, or to the people who say, no one is perfect, but sinners, right? You are sinners. The good news is that there is victory and there's forgiveness that comes from saying, I'm a sinner, because you have a savior who cleanses you from all sins, from all sin. Verse nine, and I was, I was explaining to my wife last night this is like, this is my verse right here. This is it, 
right? This is, if I could take one verse from the Bible, this would probably be it. Um, you know, I, I do have a lot of favorite verses, but this is, this is, this is the one right here. Um, if we, and I, I could read it without looking at the Bible, but I, I will look. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. So, confess. If we confess our sins, confess, you know, this, this was originally written in the Greek language, so the word for confess is homilageo. Um, it, has, it has the root homo, which means the same. So, homilageo or confess is not simply saying you did something. It is say, you're saying the same thing. Right, you're saying the same thing as another, or you're agreeing with. In this case, you're agreeing with God that your sin is sin. Right? You can say, you can say, yeah, I, I jaywalked. Right? And yeah, you 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 said you did it, but it, it's a step further, right? And in, in, in this in the context of this verse, you need to take it a step further and say, God, you know, forgive me. I, I I've sinned against you. I I jaywalked or I um I was I was I was mean to this person, right? God, I I agree with you. I say the same thing. I say the same thing as you about what I did. It it is wrong and it is sin, right? So, you know, I want to encourage you when you pray and when you confess your sins, you you're not saying it because just because, you know, you feel like you have to say it. And no, you you need to say the same thing about your sin as God does, right? And that, that is wrong. That's where your heart needs to be um, when you're confessing. Uh, so confess, right, which means to say the same. So if we say the same thing as God or if we agree with God about our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us or forgive you and cleanse you, right? Faithful meaning that he will always do it. You, every time you confess, he is faithful to forgive you. He's faithful, and he will always do it. And he's also, he's not only faithful, he won't. He's not just always going to do it. He's also just in doing it. He's just meaning he is right in forgiving you and cleansing you. Um, and that's, that's big if, you, if, you, if you're feeling condemnation, right? If you're condemning yourself for your sin, if you're letting the enemy get to you about your sin, um, which which is a big part of big part of my walk, um, you know. God is not only faithful to forgive you, meaning He's always going to do it. He's also just in doing it. He's not doing the wrong thing when He forgives you for the 80th time you did the same thing, right? It doesn't matter if you promise God I'll never do this again. God forgive me. Um, you know I, I did this really really bad thing. No, He's He's not wrong in forgiving you. Right? His faithfulness is not going to waver, and he's, not, he's just. He's right in doing it. Right? God is faithful to forgive you, one, because you, you've humbled yourself before him right? by confessing your sin, and God, God loves mercy. He loves when sinners humble themselves before him. You see this all through the Bible, all through the Bible. The worst, what, what, we, can, what we can consider and say the worst of men who, who, um, who had the most responsibility, right? I'm, and I'm thinking about the kings in the Old Testament. 
as soon as they humble themselves before the Lord, he, he, he forgives them. He restores them in some kind of way. Um, and his forgiveness is greater now in this new covenant. But yes, he, he, loves, he loves humility. He loves, he loves mercy. So he's faithful to forgive you. Um, and it, not only because you humbled yourself, but because the, the debt of your sin or the, the payment for your sin has been dealt with, right? It's been paid for by Jesus on the cross. So instead of punishing you, instead of judging you, instead of doing anything against you because you sinned or paying you back because you sinned, Jesus already took care of that. It's already been dealt with, right? So this is why he's just. He, you know, we, you, you should never think that God is, oh, man, I, I was really mean to this, to this person. Now God is getting me back. God, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't need to get you back. He, he got Jesus on the cross. He's, he's never getting us back. Right? We are forgiven. He's faithful, and he's just to forgive us. Um, amen. Amen. So, you know, if you are someone who's not accepted what Jesus did, what Jesus has done for you on the cross, then you have a sin debt that needs to be paid for. The good news is that Jesus has already settled the debt. You just have to accept him in your heart and accept his forgiveness and what he's done for you. So again, like I said, this is, this is like my life verse, right? This is a verse that I have memorized and I've recited to myself numerous times in my walk. Um, with the Lord, right? When, I, when I'm feeling heartbroken about my sin and I feel like God doesn't want to hear my prayer for forgiveness, right? I, I, I go here and it, it's here, right? This is not something I made up. This is not, this is not how I feel. It's here, and, and plainly, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is what the Bible says. This is not what Chris is saying. This is not what Pastor Steve has said. This is what the Bible says. So if you are feeling bad about a sin, confess it and believe. Believe that he's faithful and he's just as well. He's just. Right? The, the worst thing that God can be is fair. Right? He's just. I, and I, I just lo I love the faithful and the just because those, those are the attributes of the God we serve. You know? Imagine, imagine how faithful you... Uh, imagine how unfaithful you've been um, to God over the years, over the time you've been walking with him. You know? And he remains faithful. So yes, this verse says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. And then verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Amen.